Hello, I'm Tom Moan, and today I'm beginning an old and yet continuing adventure. In 1968, my family and I returned to Tulsa, where I became the general manager of KORUFM and Oral Roberts, radio announcer. At that time, from 1968 until March of 71, I had a daily program entitled Good Morning Brother Pilgrim. And now, after 50 years, I'm resurrecting it with a new title, Good Morning, Fellow Pilgrim. And a pilgrim is a person who's on a journey, and in this case, a journey of the kingdom of God on earth as Jesus prayed. So I hope you'll join me as we look into the past, the present, and the future. This is the Good Morning, Fellow Pilgrim podcast with Tom Moan for May 1st, 2020. Well, good morning. Fellow Pilgrim, what a delight to be with you this day. In the past couple of podcasts, we've been talking about the resurrection life of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been reading from the message Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and talking about the purpose that God has in this world. In a podcast uh, on last Friday, I talked about that the heel of the woman's son will crush the head of Satan. And I mentioned that in all of Scripture, there's it's almost as if you can find the enemy searching for it. Where is it? Where is it? What woman? But it's Mary, when Gabriel announces to her. And we talked a little bit about that. So Jesus comes, and he brings salvation. And as I've been talking about what the resurrection is, that the center of all human history is Calvary. Calvary. There, the shed blood of Jesus Christ takes our sins to hell itself, where they burn away, and he's raised from the dead. Resurrection morning, and we've just celebrated that around the world as fellow members of the body of Christ. Well, I want to continue. As we continue to walk in the Lord, we begin to realize we have some problems, and I'm going to talk about some of those problems in a moment. But first, I'd like to go ahead, sort of ahead and toward the end of what God is after, and read from again the message about what God is after. When I read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, I mentioned, sort of as an aside, it's almost as if we could jump ahead to the last three chapters of Revelation and realize that the whole story is to bring that about, the that being what the Holy Spirit is through uh, John has written to us about what God is after in us as the people of God. So I'm going to begin be reading in the book of Revelation and see if we can't put the three at the front and the three at the back together. So again, reading out of the message, chapter 20. I saw an angel descending out of heaven, and he carried the key to the abyss in a chain, a huge chain. He grabbed the dragon, that old snake, the very devil, Satan himself, chained him up for a thousand years, dumped him into the abyss, slammed it shut, and sealed it tight. No more trouble out of him deceiving the nations until the thousand years are up. 
After that, he's to be let loose, briefly. I'm not going to read much more out of there. I'm going to jump to the 11th verse of 20. I saw a great white throne and the one enthroned. Nothing could stand before or against the presence. Nothing in heaven. Nothing on earth. And then I saw all the dead, great and small, standing there before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, the book of life. The dead were judged by what was written in the books, by the way they had lived. Sea released its dead. Death and hell turned in their dead. Each man and woman was judged by the way he or she had lived. Then death and hell were hurled into lake fire. This is the second death, lake fire. Anyone whose name was not found inscribed in the book of life was hurled into lake fire. Thus begins chapter 21, Revelation. It's at this point that I want to underscore again, what has God been after through all of the scripture, the stories of ancient Israel coming out of Egypt? Prior to that, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the stories of David and the prophets. God has been after something from the beginning that began, as I had read, way back in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Now we begin to see it completed in chapter 21, Revelation. I saw heaven and earth new created, gone the first heaven, gone the first sea, gone the first earth. I saw holy Jerusalem, new created, descending resplendent out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for her husband. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone. Crying gone. Pain gone. All the first order of things gone. The enthroned continued, Look, I'm making everything new. Write it all down, each word dependable and accurate. And then he said, It's happened. I'm A to Z. I'm the beginning. I'm the conclusion. From water of life well I give freely to the thirsty. Conquerors inherit all this. I'll be to them God. They'll be my sons and daughters to me. But for the rest, the feckless and faithless, degenerates and murderers, sex peddlers and sorcerers, idolaters and all liars, for them is lake fire, brimstone, and the second death. And one of the seven angels who had carried the bowls filled with the seven final disasters spoke to me. Come here, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He took me away in the spirit to an enormous high mountain, showed me holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, resplendent in the bright glory of God. The city shimmered like a precious gem light-filled, pulsing life. As we read the rest of that, it's all about the temple of God. 
And then in the 22nd chapter, I'm jumping ahead, of Revelation, the last in the Bible. Then the angel showed me the water of life river, crystal bright. It flowed from the throne of God and the Lamb, right down the middle of the street. The tree of life was planted on each side of the river, producing 12 kinds of fruit, a ripe fruit for each month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations. Never again will anything be cursed. The throne of God and of the Lamb is at the center. His servants will offer God's servant, God's service and worshiping. The look on his face, their foreheads mirroring God, never again will there be any night. No one will need lamplight or sunlight. The shining of God the Master is all the light anyone needs. And they will rule with him age after age after age. I could read more of the 22nd, but what I'm trying to tell you is that in the beginning, when we realized that God was walking with Adam and Eve in the garden and there was no sin between them until they ate of the wrong tree, God has always been after a living, vital relationship with his creation. And I think it's interesting that when we read again in Holy Jerusalem in that 21st chapter, it tells us that, you know what? You and I were created that God might have a place to ultimately live. And God's ultimate place of living is in his family. And that's what he is after. That is what God has been after from the very beginning. That's why in one of the next podcasts, I'm going to be talking about one of the judgments and one of the things that we see happening in our day and time is the rebellion against family and how a world culture has come in trying to destroy family, father and mother, sister and brother. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a podcast down the road. But remember, the first three chapters of Genesis, the last three of Revelation, and it's so beautiful when we read it. I love the way the King James ends by saying, Maranatha, even Maranatha, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I thought I would end this podcast talking about the problems that you and I face on our way to becoming that son, that daughter of God that God is after. And the book of Romans and the letters of Paul and, and Peter and, and are just thrilled. I'm thrilled with the, the insights that he gives us to the kind of problems that we face. For instance, as Christians, I found this in my own life, that when I would want to do the right thing, there was this voice inside me saying, do something else, rebel. And uh, Paul writes about that in the Romans letter. So I'd like to read a little out of it as we close this podcast. He writes in the seventh chapter of Romans, I can already hear your next question, beginning in verse 13. Does that mean I can't even trust what is good, the law? It's good, just as dangerous as evil? No, again. Sin simply did what sin is so famous for doing. 
using the good as a cover to tempt me to do what would finally destroy me by hiding within God's good commandment. Sid did far more mischief than it could ever have accomplished on its own. own. On its own, I can anticipate the responses coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself after all. I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way and then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command's necessary. But I need something more. For I know the law, but still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, and then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, the sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when at least I expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions, where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Chapter 8, verse 1. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem in something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law cold, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. So we realize that God in Christ has brought us back to a situation where we can begin to fulfill that family member you and I are called to be. Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus, as in these last podcasts, we've read so much from the beginning and the end of your scripture. 
I just invite that you'll blow upon it with your ruach, with your breath of your huge, marvelous, eternal spirit, and make us long for the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Make us have a hunger for our daily bread to see your kingdom on earth in and through us. So mighty is your salvation that truly one day you will make your home in your family and we will be part of it. Amen and amen. This podcast is available for free download in iTunes and at moanministriesbookstore.com. Sarah Rahm's album, Days of Rain, is available on iTunes and most streaming platforms.